Welcome back, everybody, to the Tried of the Force podcast, a podcast from Puerto Rican friends coming together to do deep dives into Star Wars and other nerd-related media. Welcome to Season 4 episode, I Lost Count, even though there haven't been that many this year because we have been terrible at keeping track with things. But today, our episode is called Heir to the Empire, question mark, where we'll be discussing that little bit of news that everyone already discussed last week, but because we have jobs, we discuss them the week afterwards. Uh, but today, I'm very, very happy, very, very excited to finally have a friend of the channel whom I've been wanting to have on the podcast for the longest time, but because of those rowdy SAG-AFTRA, WGA, Strikers, Unioners, we couldn't talk during Ahsoka, but finally we're here. The infamous, the notorious, the dangerous, Paul Stanley. How we doing? No. <laughs> no, but but I really am happy to be here, Gus. It has been a long time coming, and, you know, we had the privilege to hang out celebration almost, God, almost two years ago. Oh, we went to uh, Marsh Isley. Oh, we hung out after. I mean, it was it was a trip, and I'm so glad to have met you then. And, you know, we've you've been on Bombad, you know, a handful of times. Mm-hmm. And it's just the opportunity to be able to on Triad is fantastic. You know, I'm I'm excited to be here and I'm particularly excited to talk about Dave frickin' Filoni and allegedly, his, allegedly. His, we'll see, allegedly, we'll see, allegedly, we'll see allegedly. what we talk about it. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things, one of those things where, you know, uh we were talking before starting to record about how we're probably not even going to talk about Dave Filoni so much, yeah. but the art, the artwork for the episodes made. So sorry for the false advertising, everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mr. Scotty Jero, for everyone who's watching, obviously it's not Paul Stanley, or is it? Or is it? You never or know. You really how many don't times, know. How many times have you seen uh, Kiss? Kiss? Oh, this is actually the fact that you're bringing this was incredible. Um, I'm this is I'm seeing them at their final show in New York City on final? Saturday. Yes, to our knowledge. So they have said Madison Square Garden's their last show in makeup, which is I think this like stipulation of their of their contract. I don't know, but with the fans. So my friend, a friend of mine, Chase, he is a huge Kiss fan. We grew up listening to Kiss together. Not and Chase Hauser. Not Chase Hauser. No, Chase Cangelos. <laughs> He's a real estate agent in Austin. So if you're in Austin looking for a home, reach out to him. <laughs> at Chasing Realty. But no, in all seriousness, he, him, him, and I, we've seen pretty much Kiss. He's seen Kiss eleven times. This will be my eighth time, I believe, seeing them. So it's the final show. And yeah, the, Paul, you know, I've seen Kiss a lot. I love Paul because it's the same shtick every time. Every time. It's the <laughs> wild animals in the middle. Let me hear you. And so it's and like. they eat it up every single time. They eat it up. I've seen it literally eight times. And they, every time I'm like, this is so good. Everyone to the left. Everyone to the right. Let me hear you. It's the same thing. but. There's something to that. And you know what? This is a great way to tie in Dave Filoni. You know, you can, you, it's kind of Dave Filoni. They're and Paul the same Stanley, person. They have it. so much in common of like, you know, they know what people like and they give people what they want. You know what I mean? Interesting. I see. Interesting. I see it. Huh. <laughs> but it's, it's so, it's so uh, great to bring up Paul Stanley because I think that was like my biggest impression of you when Ooh. I finally met you in person. Uh, because it's it's funny it's funny because, uh, uh, i always talk about celebration on the yeah. channel especially when we're having a friend Ooh, that we met the only way it could have been better if it was much icely but oh, uh i agree but yeah it's what uh, celebration is great because as i keep saying ad nauseum it's like mm. every year it's less about the panels and more about the people and uh that first that anaheim was like 
was it my I think it was my second no it was my third celebration okay same first, for me my third celebration but my first one as a as a podcaster yes right? of course of course so at this point like you know you start to know the ecosystem of peers that you surround yourself with on on social media and mm-hmm. and, and you are one of them obviously of and and you have a mythical a mythical Twitter Slash that, you know what? That blows my persona. mind. That blows my mind. You say that because I do it just to make people feel strange, and well, I hear that so success, often. Is like successful. I don't know what to think of you. I'm like, that's, I guess it's a good thing. I keep them on edge. They don't know if I'm joking or being serious. It's it's kind of nice. It's grand. It's it's larger than life. It's like kiss. Yeah, it's like kiss. It's if like... they were a one person on a Star Wars podcast, that's terrifying. But ultimately that's true. A, that's a compliment. And, and you know what's funny too? Like you and I was around so many people that that celebration and I made a lot. I would guess I had been people I had known adjacently and you are one of them. And the fact that we got to meet and hit it off that night, Mosh Eisley, and then oh, after, you know, in legendary. The, that hotel lobby and like literally Just since eating then, Domino's like, pizza, I've got, I've got, got his nut. Like I've got, you know, I've, I've, it's so weird how those interactions at celebration really do create long-lasting friendships and you were actually even in the wedding video that that alden made for oh, me and right. my wife right. and like right. there it's such a weird thing that i'll never forget now because i missed that most recent celebration but i still felt like i was there because of what some people did for the sake of mm-hmm. i don't know just being a friend and it's i don't know, it's very surreal and i'm very thankful and yeah i i i just love the fact that we could celebrate star wars together you know not just in person but over this call as well on something that i'm very excited to talk about and look at too for sure for sure and it's one of those things where i think about that night again and (sighs) you know i met you and your in your mask or real face we don't i don't know how to know how how to say it you just have to see for yourself and then we're in that lobby and that's where I formerly met Trey, and now Trey's yes. here in Chicago. Weird. And those, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Like, um, it's beautiful. I was wearing this exact, uh, I did not realize that till just now I was wearing this in one of the photos of me. It was, and it was meant to be. It was, it was meant, meant to, to be. be. To think about it. I did have a very sad moment during celebration, Ooh. and it was the last day, because during the last day, I'm with my buddy, uh, Guago, who you obviously met. Of course. Yeah, we were all there at much Eisley. Yeah. And we were having like one of the final drinks at the hotel bar, and then I, you, and you, you, I run into you and and and, and Jerry, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, come on, we're going to. I think it was Chris's room. We're going to Chris's room and have yes. some drinks. We're going to party. Yes. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck, because I was about to do check out at that hotel. Uh huh. Go to the other one before like the flight. Flight, yeah. Uh, and that was that was that was heartbreaking. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I just <laughs> met these people. It's such a good vibe. I just want to keep partying. But, uh, no, but alas, it was not meant to be. But the party never be. stops. Let's be real, you know. It has different. It has different wavelengths. Different wavelengths. Now I we're agree. like an ultraviolet party, I guess, because we can't, you know, we can't see it in physical light. We I could feel it. it go through me. I can but feel I can't, it, baby. <laughs> we could be in different states and different states of mind, but I could still feel you. You know what I mean? Go on through. It's like right now, Chicago is very, very cold. But you yes. whispering like that just. Warm warms me up. you up warm me up I, i'm not gonna i'm gonna talk about nope. the extents that it warmed me up we already did that before recording blood is That's, moving and that is between you and i oh the way it should be take that you organa <laughs> he's got me now i got you i got you 
uh, before we go uh, into like our main topic, I of have course. to do those uh, calls to action. Make sure to check, uh, oh. like, subscribe if you haven't. Uh, leave a review, like, on all those things. Uh, helps the channel. Buy a T-shirt. Give me two- buy a T. Buy a T-shirt. It gives me two dollars a pop, so that yep. I can finally upgrade this goddamn laptop. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Mr. Filoni, notorious for wearing a cowboy hat mm-hmm. or being a fan of wolves or Avatar The Last Airbender. He was that ex- kid. To an extent. Clone Wars, allegedly. Rebels, yeah. allegedly. Uh, helped out a little bit on that show called uh, The Grogu Power the Hour. Grogu. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now Ahsoka. Ahsoka, which I think has been, I don't, I don't want to say controversial, but people have opinions on it. Of course. Before we talk about like the news about Dave Filoni, I wanted to kind of get the temperature. Since we were supposed to talk about Ahsoka, before those rowdy socialists uh, ruined everything for us. They uh, stole it. Stole, they stole it from us. They stole it from us. Uh, what was your opinion of Ahsoka? Like, uh, have, have you, you been know, satisfied with Mr. Filoni's track record so far? And what did Ahsoka do to you? Or for you, I guess. In all honesty, um, Ahsoka is that mythological storytelling that I find really compelling in Star Wars. And for the sake of myth, too. You know, uh... I read a lot of Joseph Campbell. Um, I study a lot of what makes. There you go. You got a book up there. He's somewhere. He's somewhere. Somewhere. They, see, so I'm I'm very fond of you know when things get weird too, and with mythology, things does I mean things are just inherently weird because they're supposed to be, and you know I like when biology is a little bit involved, and you you watch a show like Ahsoka, and there's there's a lot of that, you know. A lot of the things that were set up in Rebels or even Clone Wars gets this huge payoff in the in live action show, which is honestly pretty pretty incredible to know that the effort I put into watching an animated series, there is a deep sense of payoff when I'm sitting there next to my wife who hasn't watched any of them. And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea how important this is or how big this is or how much of these seeds were set up you know, for it to grow into this show. And yeah, I, I had... I was just in love with Ahsoka. I think it's a great series. I'm excited to see where it goes, too, because it's not done. I don't think it's done. I'm sure there's an outline for season two in some capacity. But all in all, dude, I am I thought it was a brilliant show, and I thought I did some really great storytelling. And, yeah, there's some things to be desired. But other than that, I, I don't know how much better you could get. You could, you could tell it was all written by Dave, you know, and maybe some input from Favreau. But in terms of it being a show four fans of rebels and four fans of clone wars we we got it we got we got exactly what i think most of us thought it would be so i was deeply satisfied and the whole idea of a different galaxy that's my shit For real. Are, Pardon my w- French. W- was there something though because i think that's one of the interesting things of a show like ahsoka because mm-hmm. it's uh following up shows that we've all either been growing up with or um, have been passionate about uh, since we first saw it or like a show like Rebels that you know kind of ends the show with that that's not a post credit scene like that epilogue that mm-hmm. you know leaves a lot of expectation in us us like fans specifically Star Wars fans our you know our theories and our minds get the best of us and we're already mm-hmm. thinking like what those shows are or what the stories will be and all those things so there's a lot of expectation right yeah uh, onto what these shows will be. Did the show, did you come in with those expectations and did the show meet them, fail to meet them? Like, what was if your I'm, point of mind? And if, 
if I'm going to be completely honest with you, no expectations are probably the best way to go into any show. Uh, and not to say I didn't have any, you know, hype or any hopes up for certain things to occur. Uh, but I can tell you that I knew what we were going to get was going to be special. Uh, if, if I liked it or didn't like it, honestly didn't matter in the moment until the episode was over and I could reflect on it. But I mean, those last four episodes were, was like the greatest run of Star Wars TV at mm-hmm. this point. Just from when we see Anakin all the way to the, you know, chapter eight, whenever we get like <laughs> the the Mortis arc, you know, tease the very mm-hmm. end. Like I, I, you just <laughs> there's just so many things in this show that, you know, were done so well and with so much care. And you can tell that now once the strike was over, all the actors are posting things like mm-hmm. we got to do this. We were crying on set. And here's a photo of me with young Ahsoka. And here's a photo with me with Thrawn and Thrawn smoking a cigarette. Like there's <laughs> like, dude, I was like, this could not be more ideal. And you know, it's kind of funny. The strike obviously was for something that needed to be, you know, uh, something that was deserved to the people that write and that act in these these huge projects and even small mm-hmm. projects. But all that being said, it was kind of nice to see all this come out after because you can enjoy mm-hmm. the show for what it was. And then now we could hear get to hear the opinions of the creators and the uh, actors of these shows later. So, yeah, no, all in all, my expectations, I, they were hyped, obviously, going into it. We saw the first uh, teaser at Celebration in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget because you saw, you know, Hera from behind. You saw Ahsoka. Uh, you didn't quite see Thrawn yet, but you got all these things in a show that I never expected. And in live action, I mean, there's it, it's a fully female led show, too. It, it's just it's just these things that I don't think people are, you know, I think people are taking it for granted that this actually exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are now post this show. And I, I really loved it. What did you think of it? Did you like it? Uh, I really liked going into it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that sounds like I'm going to go into a negative, which sure, is, yeah. as I was saying, I'm like, Oh, why are you phrasing this in this way? This is horrible. <laughs> uh, cause, Cause I was trying to like uh, finish the thought before sure. actually starting it. Uh, yeah. No, like I was very excited for Ahsoka uh, because Clone Wars is my favorite Star Wars animation. And not to say that I don't like Rebels, I grew to love re- love Rebels a lot. But you know, Clone Wars resonates with me a little bit more than Rebels does. So yeah. I was very very excited to continue Ahsoka's story. Uh, so, and it's fun. I think what's happening now with Star Wars, which is like all the different tonal varieties that we have mm-hmm. for all these different shows, which I hope that it keeps. delving into that and we'll talk about it when we talk about the Dave news a little bit Mm -hmm. but you know I love that we have Andor that we have Tales of the Jedi but then we have uh, uh, Mandalorian and now that we have Ahsoka it's like there's like all these different flavors of Star Wars that we can that we can we can be we're sommeliers right now we're just of course we're tasting fine wine and because all of it is so good and I, I love that we can go back into a show like Ahsoka which is so totally different from Andor and kind of mm-hmm. go back to that innocence to an extent of of, of the prequels because mm-hmm. I think exactly that is something that I really appreciated about Ahsoka it captured that magic that the prequels mm-hmm. had while also maturing it and tying into the animation but also moving it forward into yeah. a post uh, new republic era so I was I was very happy going into the show I mean I had I have some issues with how the show ended 
which I think are more systemic with streaming. And well, how... that's also fair. I mean, you got to think no ending will ever truly be satisfying true, true. for anyone. You know, as much as I had to realize the show was coming to an end, it was also kind of bitter because we don't there's we're no we're not guaranteed another season just yet. No one said anything officially. So like you went into this almost thinking this was a one off and I don't think it will be. But I mean, shit, you never know. You never know what's going on. No, I agree. I just think that at least for, like for me personally, I feel that there were a lot of uh, narrative threads that were either started to be developed or mm -hmm. merely hinted at that then sure. didn't have resolution. And I'm not saying that a show or a movie for that matter needs to end with a very nice bow and like Perfect, everything's yeah. tied up. Some some things can be left as a, you know, a, a story will continue, but there has to be like a narrative arc. I think that within a show needs or a movie needs to be tied up, even if there's like a thread that can be pulled right mm -hmm. into the next thing. And I feel like Ahsoka ended with, without tying things. It's just like, okay, mm -hmm. here's the thread. And you yes. know, there's, there's a little, there's a little, it could go here. And, and like for me, I didn't find that satisfying as much as I love the show going up into the finale. I was just like, yeah. ah, okay, well, we still kind of don't know what Balin wants. Like mm -hmm. we still like, we don't know Shin's deal. Uh, I feel like Ezra and Ahsoka were kind of Ouroboros. Oh shit! I watch Loki too, uh, <laughs> in the sense that you know their 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 positions kind of switch, yes. but they're still in the yes. same position type of thing. Yes, uh, they're in starting positions, just in inverse places. Yes, uh, which which I totally expected, of course. But somehow the way it ended, I was like, ah, you know, I was like, oh, okay. It was weirdly enough a finale for the character Ahsoka than it was a finale for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I guess maybe that's the way I see it as like she had her bookend with Anakin, you know, mm -hmm. and there was the bookend of the idea that she can train someone without, you know, even passing on the, the I guess, the misteachings of her master onto them. So like. It, to me, in terms of like the thematic analysis of it, I, I was satisfied in that capacity. But mm -hmm. I also agree, you know, you have a scene, and I think everyone will agree to this. You didn't get to see Ezra or Hera, you know, hug in that moment. And I know mm -hmm. that's silly, but there is a moment of gratification where she's been looking for this person and they can't even unite in a physical capacity until they cut. And maybe that's on purpose. I don't know. But like Balin, you know, we all know. Uh, Hugs are all... infamous in Star Wars. Remember? Oh, Force of course. Awakens? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Chewbacca didn't hug Leia. Oh, my God. No, God. It was endless. No. Yeah. But like Ray Stevenson's death, too. Obviously, it's a big thing that mm -hmm. we have to bring up. But like, God, I want more Balin. And the oh, ending well, of that okay. episode, the ending of that episode, dude, was just like, there's so much tease for what could come and what we could see visually in the maybe in Dave's future movie or even, you know, Mandalorian or the next series of, you know, Ahsoka episodes. I don't know. I, I agree though. There is a level that could have been probably amped up to. And I think it could have been the perfect series ending almost like Mando season two was, it is just, there was nothing that could be better than that in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, how huge something could feel. And it was great, but I agree. There, there is some things left to be desired, and that's okay. That's that's what being a fan is like, you know. We can't we can't always be a hundred percent happy with the things we get, but as long as we find that's very true. That, that's the, very one, true. As especially as a Star Wars fan, 
Well, look, and like, you, like you know, like we were talking about the Beatles before we started recording. Like, would I have wanted that to be their last single? I don't know. I like Free as a Bird. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs by them from, you know, 95. Mm-hmm. And like, now that they found this, like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird, different bookend, you know? I, I That's part of it. That's part of growing up in this space and in this fandom is kind of having to realize what you want might not fit the narrative means of what the story is telling you just yet but neither here nor there i'm i'm glad to know that you enjoyed it up until the ending and that some people it's not to say that i didn't enjoy no no no, i know i know it's that i to me like that ending and i think it's the nature of like how a lot of these andrew being the exception because andrew had 12 episodes yes the nature of streaming nowadays where it's just Mm -hmm. like you have such a limited amount of episodes that i feel sometimes Mm -hmm. It drew. I don't want to say drag because, like, sometimes stories need to take their time, but yeah. sometimes it rushes way too much. Oh yeah. And I feel that that was kind of the problem with where Ahsoka ended. It kind of mm-hmm. for me, it felt like a mid-season finale I instead agree. of a instead of a season finale. And mm-hmm. that's why I was just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, great, but what's next? What's next? And I agree. And that's the other thing too. The one of the struggles of this show, and it has to do with the strike, but we don't quite know when the next Star Wars series is going to release. And I think there's something to knowing, okay, well, this ended not exactly how I wanted, but I can still look forward to whatever. And right now I know we have Acolyte in the works and Skeleton Crew and Man and Andor season two, but we still don't know when the hell this is going to be coming out. I'm I'm Jones and if I'm, I'm dying to know. I really am. I just want to know. I just want to look forward to something. And right now, I'm like, everything's so up in the air. But it feels, though, with the kind of snowball stuff that we've been getting uh, from the past week and a half. Well, just yes. a week. With the Filoni news and then the mm-hmm. Daisy Ridley stuff. That Which the Daisy Ridley stuff is a nothing burger, but people yeah, yeah. need to make more of it than it is. Because of that's course. the nature of Star Wars fans. Yeah. I think that they're preparing to, like announce drop. things and be like boom here I we go so. merry christmas Happy holidays. <laughs> uh, and to that end you know we got the new we've been keep talking about the news and feloni and the news is that feloni has finally been uh made heir to the empire question mark interesting uh, he's finally destroyed kathy kennedy and mm-hmm. usurped the throne and is now the CEO of Lucasfilm. Dude, that that Variety article, or it was Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair. That Vanity Fair Vanity. article made me laugh so hard because, like, Bresnikan had to specify specifically, super specifically, like, Kathleen Kennedy will still remain president of Lucasfilm. Like, yes, we. I, I don't know. Everyone has such weird desires to get rid of her. Uh, not everyone. There's a certain sect of people that do. And I never understood that because she literally has made – probably the greatest films of all time, number one, and especially childhood, you know, like really, really deep, impactful, like, mm-hmm. um, I guess you could say the formation of people's personalities. Like, I don't know, like, like she is so much to do with those huge flicks and, mm-hmm. and I guess cinema changing movies that when the second they want, you know, Dave to take over, they, I don't think anyone realizes Dave has a lot under his belt, but, it's not. That's not his job. Not his job. And you know he would mean? be like, terrible at it. Let's be honest. Yeah, like imagine Dave being a president of a company oh. and be like, "Well, you, you never know." And it's oh, like yeah. you can't interesting, give interesting, interesting, interesting. You can't <laughs> give answers like that. You've got to be an executive. You got to answer to really, really, I guess, wealthy and important people in the business. And you know, as much as people want Dave to usurp Kathleen Kennedy, he's <laughs> not that type. 
No. He's not. He's not. The whole Kathy Kennedy thing is just boring at this point. It is. I mean, and and to your point, like, yeah, she has done all those things, but the reason she hasn't gotten the praise that she rightfully deserves is because she's been a woman in the background. Exactly. Exactly. It's always been this boys club of uh, Frank Marshall and George Uh Lucas and and Steven Spielberg and like all those guys. And you see the the, the men, right? The the Mavericks. You don't see like that she's just as much a part of it as they were. But because she's a woman and she's in the background and she started as Steven's secretary, like no one gave two flying fucks about her until she Makes becomes no the face of Lucasfilm. And then all of a sudden it's like, a, and you know, society has an internalized misogyny against, you know. Oh, of course. Especially against powerful women. Not mm-hmm. just women, but especially powerful women. And especially powerful women that like are now spearheading the thing that made you who you are to an extent and, because and it's it- your childhood. It's like, and come it's, on, remember the South Park episode about George Lucas? We're not going to use that word here. No. But, you know, he did something to your childhood when he did the prequels or Indiana Jones. And then now just, and then now they're like, she's doing that to my kid's childhood. And you're like, Ow. But then pretending, like, but then pretending that they didn't say the exact same thing about like, George. About George. Yeah, but multiplying and, that anger by an look, ungodly amount of time. I'm telling you, if Dave became president in any capacity, those kind of people will find a way to hate him. You know? Some already do. And some already do. And like, you know, like I told you, like I said earlier, Ahsoka was in a female-led show. Like, mm-hmm. uh, women of diversity, too. You had a black woman as the lead, okay? You had someone who is, like, you just you just have all these opportunities to find a way to, like, dislike him or like him. But he 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 knows what he's doing. He's brilliant. And, like... He's brilliant in the sense of story, but I don't know if I would want him to lead a company. Like I, and 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 he does have now. I believe what is the exact title, Gus? I don't remember. Uh, CEO, Chief, uh, CCOs, Chief Creative Officer. Okay, that means things pass across his desk, and he can look at it and give his input. It doesn't mean he's going to veto things or he's going to approve things. You know what I mean? I, I guess that's that's the that's the big struggle. Is like that's the same title as Kevin Feige, right? Mm-hmm. But Kevin Feige is also president. President, of exactly, exactly. So he he double dips. Yes, I just I don't know what people expect with this announcement. It m- might mean there might be some more cohesive storytelling, maybe some more really cool thematic parallels that we didn't expect to get between Andor and future releases of shows or or what have you. Half of these things are already in the books. But Carrie Beck is also someone who has mm-hmm. also got a promotion. And she's been primarily in charge of a lot of story stuff too, everything from Bad Batch to Rebels, and well into the book of Boba Fett and and Mandalorian. So like in Ahsoka, like I don't know, it, it it everyone's excited about Dave, and don't get me wrong, I am too. But it's more than just Dave. This mm-hmm. article says that as as much too. And um, yeah, I don't know, I I love Dave Filoni, and I'm very happy that he's gotten this promotion. And I think there's a lot to, we can dissect from it. I just think it's also important to acknowledge that Carrie Beck got it as well. You know, yeah. she got moved up. She's great. Let's dissect something here because one of the things that you mentioned that the article also mentions is that they're one of the reasons that these roles have been established, right? Is to kind of maintain I don't know if cohesion is actually the right word because um, or, or or consistency either, because I think that's the concern or fear or uh what it, what word have you that a lot of us, myself included, kind of have with this whole day? Things that like it might maybe not in the beginning, but it might kind of standardize a little bit the mm-hmm. Star Wars tone. 
And sure. right now, I think one of the strengths that it has is the diversity. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you feel that Star Wars is too tonally diverse? Do you feel like there's a problem with what happened with the sequels? What's going on with Disney Plus? Where do you think like Star Wars is a right now landing for you that Dave kind of needs to come into? I don't want to say right ship, but put some band-aids on it, if that makes sense. I love that you bring this up. Because I, what I pictured as you were, you know, saying that is that image of George and every BTS, I guess, videos from the Clone Wars, it's him talking about, you know, what Star Wars is and the mythology of it and how to tell a story in the Star Wars universe. I picture Dave doing that for other creators. Mm -hmm. I know Carrie Beck's job is to go and find diverse and unique creators for the Star Wars universe. And I guess people that it might be more consistent than what we've gotten, you know, Benioff and Wise, the um, the uh, the other creators that have, you know, definitely Patty Jenkins been cutting ties with. You know, I think that's <laughs> Carrie Beck's role. Spicy. But but with with yes, the tonal differences, dude. Like I've said it publicly before, I thought Andor was great. There's just it was to me the more of the downer show mm -hmm. compared to a show like Ahsoka or Mandalorian. And I could tell you, some of these shows aren't for everyone. Like, my wife does not like Andor. She didn't like mm -hmm. how it made her feel. But she'll wake up at 5 in the morning with me back when they released that early and watch uh, Mandalorian, you know, like in a heartbeat. No questions asked. So all that being said, yes, I do like the tonal diversity that we have now. Um, with Dave being in this new position, will it stay the same? I hope so. I think it will. I don't think Dave's going to directly interfere with well, the story someone wants to tell. But if Dave, in some capacity, sees something that could be cohesively tied together, both like like truly timeline wise or like just thematically tied together, and and like George says with poetry it rhymes, you know, like I think Dave could really pull that off mm -hmm. more so than most other people because it's true. Like you've seen interviews with Favreau and Floney, and like every time Favreau's an idea, Dave is like, "Well, you could do this." And you mm -hmm. could include this character because this character does exist. Like, you know, I'm uh, I thought one of the coolest things we ever got in Star Wars live action was that we got um, we got Cobb Vanth on screen. And that was oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. straight up from the suggestion of the story group and Dave. So, like, that's that's kind of how you do it. Or Chrysanthemum, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know Fabs probably just wanted a cool bounty hunter. Like, oh, we can take this 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 really awesome looking Wookiee that's got a scar across his face and put him on the show. So like if we can have more moments like that, and I'm sure people have their opinions on cameos, but when, it's only a cameo when it doesn't serve the plot of the story. Right. Uh, right. And right. Mm -hmm. I think if you can tie more Star Wars together and give people those payoffs, I mean, that's that within itself to me is an incredible thing. And Dave has proved that he could do that endlessly uh the best example rose recently was when 3po was in ahsoka mm -hmm. and it was done so well because you probably wouldn't want to have carrie on screen you probably couldn't do her justice and to have 3po do it was it made me tear up because like this is the this is the perfect way to tie in leia without tying in leia so mm -hmm. i don't know that he has that it factor that most people you know would probably overlook and i'm yeah tonally I'm still begging for diversity. I think mm -hmm. Acolyte and Skeletor Crew are going to be very different stories. The same with Andor Season 2 and whatever else we get on the pipeline, Vision Season 3 or whatever, uh, Bad Batch Season 3. I think everything should have their own tonal difference. And 
And if they could tie together a little bit tighter, I'm not going to lie. I'd be pretty down for it. I would be. And I'm not I, talking post-credits, dude. I'm oh, talking yeah. like like story-wise. Like, this is a new era. Can we do this with this new era? I don't know. I just imagine, and I hope it happens, and I would want to be a fly in the wall during that meeting. And, I mean, it's not going to happen anymore because we know <laughs> Andor Season 2 is basically almost wrapped. Yeah. I think they only have, like, a couple more days with actors mm -hmm. runs they start filming again uh, so unfortunately no more andor but i would have yeah. given any limb to have been a fly on the wall to see tony gilroy talk with dave filoni oh and that, you know that would have been I, the most awkward conversation in the history of star wars dude tony gilroy doesn't still. understand doesn't understand filoni nope. and filoni doesn't get gilroy nope. and gilroy is an immovable object and you know and an unstoppable force i guess yeah so, like I, I would love to see how that would even happen how do you how does dave filoni talk star wars yeah to tony gilroy yeah exactly and the, the, i think one of our friends put out a tweet god it might have been jerry someone put a tweet like imagine or maybe alden imagine watching imagine tony gilroy imagine dave explaining to tony gilroy what the world between world is and i'm like <laughs> jesus christ like that is so hilarious because he doesn't seem like that type of creator, and that's okay because everyone has a different mm -hmm. voice and different opinion on those things. But I, you know, I think it would be cool to get some more, not world between worlds and Andor, but some sort of interesting tie-ins that could potentially be, you know, figured out throughout the series or any show that releases, you know, or movie. Because at least to me, like in my mind, I think that there's like the force, right? There's a there's a measure of balance with everything, mm -hmm. and I do think that there's a way to bring in diverse creators to do diverse yeah. stories that still fit within the, the the framework of Star Wars and the fabric of Star Wars. But I also think that probably too much is too much because yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be upfront, right? I've never been too thrilled about the uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, sure. Yeah. For, yeah. for the film, especially, especially, I mean, I know that you can't really take Taika seriously when he's in interviews because he's just, mm -hmm trolling everybody yeah. but in, in the in the way that he talks about some things sometimes especially like the couple of things that i've read about him and with the mcu and things like that i'm just like and i don't want to sound like those internet bros that's so just like oh well you have to take star wars seriously because i mean there is a amount of irreverence that you can have with the of source course. material but but you know but to an extent you also don't want someone to just come in and do something that's yeah so uh, polarizing polarizing yeah. or irreverent that's just like doesn't even fit anymore with where it's sacred it's sacred it's and, you know, well but but you know but we have to be iconoclast sometimes and we have to mm -hmm. desecrate the holy to, yeah. to find new flavors within the thing and i think that's what kind of andor did to an extent mm -hmm. it's just like it's giving yeah. us a completely different flavor of star wars but like how much still too much sweetness you know it, it gives you cavities you know yeah how do you feel about that like just bringing in like creators that are like way too out there is there Man, such a thing as too out there i you gotta think who made it george mm -hmm. lucas and like uh, i had told you this earlier i'm working on a really comprehensive video essay about midi-chlorians and like obsessive and i use that book as a reference uh because there's a lot of cool stuff in that book but all that being said you know this is this this creator was pretty wild. I mean, mm -hmm. the guy who made all this had really intense, deep thoughts about biology, but also about war and what war looks like. And even his sequel trilogy, from what we know, is also going to be very, very strange. And 
yeah, give me some more diverse creators, you know? Um, I'm not talking like, like there is, you know, Tony Geroy, there is a really cool thing he's doing with Andor, and I will never knock that. It's kind of got this like Christopher Nolan feel feel of like, you know, the Dark Knight took mm-hmm. Batman to a much more serious level. That's kind of what we're getting right now with Andor, and that's awesome, and I love it. It makes me happy. But like, you know, I'm all about whimsy. I'm all about, you know, mm-hmm. things that are also silly because they need to be silly. And yeah, you know, I'm is an interesting one, you know, that was announced like almost three years, maybe four years ago soon. But like we've known about that one in the works and we haven't really heard much from that project since. And I, yeah, like who else could you bring into this? You know, who else, like the, the TV shows have been a really good way of tying in these new directors, Famuyiwa, Steph Green. Um, you know, you've got these awesome directors that are having the opportunities, Bryce Dallas Howard, to do these projects that are much more short form. But, uh, you know, that that should be the testing ground, if I'm going to be honest yeah, with those, you. Uh, that's what uh, I was going to say. Those, then, those then, might be auditions, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then you give them, you know, a feature film. Like Dave now is a feature film. You know, Mangold had to do Indiana Jones to kind of figure out maybe what way he can do with, you know, his new biblical epic, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I were to cite people in particular, I mean, one of the biggest risks they ever took was Ryan Johnson, you know having only a handful of films under his belt and now with the success of knives out and poker face like oh my god yeah so like there's there's just so many cool things to focus on and like we know that Guillermo del Toro almost had a film like I don't know you yes more diverse creators maybe even younger creators like not people our age I mean maybe people are shit I don't know uh there's not really anyone super famous right now that is our age doing this kind of stuff but like it would be cool to hear from someone in our generation's opinion on certain things. And we'll get there. We'll get there. All that being said though. Yes. I think there should be a diverse tone into what people are making and diverse creators, but there is an underlying fact that like, there still should be reverence for Mm. this, this show and, and what this, what this whole saga means, because you know, as much as I love Marvel movies, and I and I will never try to bash them in this way, some of those movies miss that tone. Even the earlier films miss the tone of what we had. And there have been a lot of good consistencies. For example, Guardians has been the most consistent of any set of those movies because mm-hmm. they have this similar tone and feeling of family and love that you get from every movie. And I want nothing more than to have a creator like that, you know, and Dave and other people to kind of steer that ship. Because it definitely needs to be steered. I want to ask you something. I love you. Obviously, piggying, piggying back mm-hmm. on like all of this, and you saying like uh, we've been talking about the Beatles, so yeah. I'm gonna use the Beatles as a springboard. Steve Jobs once said, and obviously I'm paraphrasing <laughs> this completely, so I'm gonna put, I'm not even gonna try to do the quote itself, just the yeah. spirit of it. But Steve Jobs once upon a said had said that. His uh, business model is based on the Beatles because, you know, they were four very different guys that came together to, you know, challenge each other to do something that was greater than the sum of all of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that because we've been talking about the record and the Beatles and like how all these creators are coming together to do all these narrative stories that we're so impassioned about. I feel the key with this comparison is that they challenge each other. Right. Like Paul challenged John. John challenged Paul and like George wanted to challenge them and like everything that happened within them and Ringo. So there's like a lot of things like all these creators going together and butting heads sometimes, which is important to create art. And I think that now to compare that with George Lucas, for example, George Lucas original trilogy, 
and this is where it's gonna get spicy. So I wanna, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna hear, I wanna see how you react. I'm gonna to take this. my tums right now. I wanna so my uh, stomach is gonna. Oh, set. not too many, not too many, too much calcium. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanna see how you react to this because I know you're a fan of one of the people that I'm gonna mention. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, in the original trilogy, George had Gary Kurtz and, La and Larry Kasten mm -hmm. to kind of push back and be, you know, challenge a lot of the things that George would have done to. Yeah. And even Marsha Lucas too, right? Uh, to better the films, Marsha through the edit, Gary through a lot of like wanting to insert final scenes in Empire Strikes Back, and Larry yeah. Kasdan suggesting all the things that he suggested, yes. so on and so forth. Uh, and Irving Kirshner too, like making uh, Harrison Ford ad lib in Empire. Mm -hmm. You know, there was there was a lot of things that were outside of George's control mm -hmm. that pushed the films to be better than what they might have been or could have been if George had just got in his way mm -hmm. and that started being diluted a little bit with return of the jedi when gary leaves and it's just richard marquand being a uh -huh. ghost director right of course uh, fast forward to the prequels george doesn't have like a uh someone writing the screenplays it's just him doing mm -hmm. story treatments and the the writing i think he did have uh, someone help him write an attack of the revenge clones. of the sith and attack of the clones yes but and Phantom gary, Menace was and gary was a, a ghost writer yeah. to a uh -huh. ghost doc, uh, script doctor sorry uh-huh uh, but as opposed to gary kurtz he had like rick mccollum mm -hmm. who was a yes man and who was and, a yes and, man and, and and it's funny you say that uh, keep going i'm sorry well you can talk about rick in five seconds uh, so like and we see that rick didn't challenge george he just mm -hmm. facilitated his vision which, yes. which is an, which is totally legitimate uh, way to also enable a yes. creator to fulfill their vision. Mm -hmm. um, so, to uh, to lesser or greater extent, that's up to you know yeah. us as the, as the it. as the people that are watching that art now to judge for ourselves. So, I'm wondering. Well, first, how do you feel about that before I move into the next thing? How Look, I, I love that you bring it up because I'm a big behind-the-scenes guy. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I have pride myself on that. I've watched every commentary from the cast and the crew, you know, on any streaming site on Blu-rays. I love behind-the-scenes. But I agree there was an aspect of the original trilogy that feels a bit more refined, uh, that feels a bit more like a big-budget 80s movie. We're like, no, we have we we have to be able to cut corners here and do this scene here and do things this way. And George, I think at that point in his career, creatively, he needed a lot of input and he wanted to just own what he had. And unfortunately, and you know this, it wasn't a privately financed endeavor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Empire was a little bit, but he still had to go through Fox. So it was Return of the Jedi a little bit. He still had to go through Fox. The only thing that George needed Fox for in the prequels was distribution because mm -hmm. George had made ILM. He had made Pixar. He had made the edit droid. He had made all these humongous companies that he then out, like put out to other creators for other studios to finance and pay for. And George was just making money. And he could, so he could put his kids through college. Could, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And so like you, <laughs> you, you have this idea of he gets the prequels and now no one's going to tell him no. And guys, I agree with you, dude. Like, it's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. The good thing is that it's purely George Lucas. And, like, I'll, I will go as far as saying that's why I like The Phantom Menace the most, because it is the weirdest. Mm -hmm. I but, agree. It's the best. The best looking one, I think. It, it is. I agree. It is one of the most gorgeous Star Wars films. But 
you can tell it's coming from a place of sincerity. I mean, it is a genuine, like, no filter. The second that movie came out, fans had opinions on midi-chlorians, on Jar Jar, on the politics. And with Attack of the Clones, you can see that, or a young Anakin, there was some refinement that had to happen, and he had to do some reflection on what's a better story to tell. And, you know, I... I love the prequels. Um, I do. I I do sometimes look at them through rose-colored lenses. You know, I think a lot of us do because we grew up with them. But you can't say that the subtext of what George was doing and saying wasn't there. It was there the entire time. Mm-hmm. And like they are truly, you know. And this is nothing against the sequel trilogy or even the original trilogy. The most cohesive trilogy is the prequels. I don't know if there'll ever be another one as. Mm-hmm perfectly cohesive i mean there may be like two or three hiccups sifo ds is one of them but like you know hey, hey they explained that in the clone wars yeah exactly they explained <laughs> it it's already been, no. but but like i i agree with you um you know i think i think i know where you're leading with this but i'll i'll let you go i i just know that that yes there should be some capacity of like Maybe you shouldn't go that far, because even George admits it. You watch, you watch, <laughs> yeah. you watch Maybe the I went beginning. Maybe I with this, and he's yeah, and he's <laughs> like, I mean, he he. One of my favorite lines is, "If a regular person watches, they're gonna go nuts." That's one of his lines, <laughs> and I'm like, that is just yeah, because sometimes whenever you have too much creative responsibility, things do get messy for a viewer and a creator. That's part uh, of it. George Lucas, Loki, one of the funniest people on earth. Let's oh, be, he's let's, let's be real. Let's be real. Uh, but to 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 no one's surprise, the point that I'm trying to make with this is mm-hmm. is history re- repeating itself to an extent with uh, Filoni, and the reason I say that is because we know Filoni has given us the goods in the yeah. past, particularly. Let's focus on Clone Wars and Rebels, mm-hmm. and while he gets the praise for those shows, mm-hmm. it's extremely important to say that those shows weren't created in a vacuum. No. He wasn't the only director. He wasn't the only writer. You know, it was a very collaborative effort with other, many other directors in a writer's room where, yeah, a lot of the ideas were his and he's the driving force uh, of those of those series. But I think those stories of his are strengthened and become better because of like all this group of people that, you know, he bounced ideas with or mm-hmm. fleshed out stories or directed episodes, et cetera, et cetera. And right now with Ahsoka, this is the first time we get to see like Filoni by himself. Yeah. You know, you're writing everything. And I personally, I could feel it. Me too. Because there was, I think, kind of similar to George again. I feel like dialogue, this is the problem with the nerds. We don't interact with people that much. (laughs) We don't really know how humans interact in the real world. Yeah. Uh, George's writing an attack of the clones and Revenge of the Sith was a little clunky. And I feel was, that yeah. that uh, Filoni's writing of some of these scenes were also a little clunky in Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the story beats, I feel, especially like all the fantasy Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. things, which I love, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, like I, I love the Lord of the. I could say I, could, I was gonna say I, I could tell. The, 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 <laughs> there we go. We got the Lord of the Rings right there. So you know, right I, there. I, I love, I love it. Uh, but it was funny because I was talking to some friends uh, while Ahsoka was coming out, and mm-hmm. we were just like making, making fun of it, but in a in a fun, you know, in a in a in a in a joyful way, not in yeah. a I look at him. But it was mm-hmm. just like, come on, Dave. Like everyone could tell you read Lord of the Rings. Of course. And we, 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 don't tell us you like it because we'll believe you. 
uh-huh. type, of, type of thing. <laughs> and, and now I wonder, now I wonder, like, now Dave is, like, being unfettered, right, With a, mm-hmm. without having restriction, where mm-hmm. he's, like, he needs to be kind of like, hey, buddy, I know you're a CCO, mm-hmm. but pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Right? Have a, and maybe one of, that's one of the good things that'll come out of the, well, there's a lot of good things of the WGA winning the strike, of obviously. Course. Uh, but one of them is having, like, having to have uh, writers uh, yes. uh, rooms, like, for all of these shows. Do you think that Dave kind of needs to let go a little bit of those reins and bring back some collaborators to help him flesh out his stories again? Or do you, or, like, or do you think that Ahsoka proves that he can stand on his own? I wouldn't be surprised if he has the opportunity to talk with George a lot. You know, we know at one point George was supposed to almost have Dave's role as a consultant, mm-hmm. you know, on the sequel trilogy and other stories that were going to be told. And, you know, George said he, the only request he had is if he sells the company, they make a solo movie. And like, the reason I bring that up is because Dave and well George particularly had the opportunity to sit in on a lot of those writing rooms, even Robot Chicken's writing room. I know that because I talked to Seth Green, and he said that, and George had a great insight on humor. And I, <laughs> yeah, like I, I do think it's important that Dave does help with the cohesive nature of this ultimate saga, but I also do think it's important. Like that could possibly hinder uh, a sort of um, difference in how to tell a story, you know? I would love a story that's non-linear. Everything in Star Wars has been super linear. Mm-hmm. There's always a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, but I would love a story that's in the idea of almost Quentin Tarantino. Where it Memento. Can... Yes, oh, exactly. Or, or start somewhere and in, end in somewhere that none of us would have ever expected. And like, yeah, give us that, you know? Am I afraid Dave could hinder that possibility? Maybe. Uh, I just don't know what it's like to be in that room I could tell you what it's like to collaborate with people. Uh, I'm a teacher. I watch I watch kids do it all the time, man. And like sometimes it's one of the most beautiful things you witness. Other times you've got people or kids walking up to your desk in tears. Like I can't work with this person. We don't work well together. And you're like, mm-hmm. shit. That's that's real. That's real freaking life, man. Yeah. And if you don't think kids or people notice that, you know, we could be three years on the line and say, damn, all these shows are the same. Mm-hmm. And that's not good. Or we could say none of these shows are connecting. That's not good. Right now we're in a cool spot where I think for the most part everything already is kind of cohesive. So I don't know how much more Dave is going to be able to bring to the table unless it's some really cool aspect of more cohesiveness. I, I don't know. I, I do. I'd have no idea. I I want nothing more than for Dave to have the opportunity to tell his own story and help guide people and mm-hmm. shepherd people you know, into really interesting ways to tell a story or in different aspects of the universe. Like if they want to have a, you know, a scene take place on a lava planet, like be cool. They just can't do Mustafar. You know, we've Mm -hmm. got this on it. You know what I mean? Like uh, I want more things like that, but I don't know. I don't know if him being in charge of every story is necessarily a good thing Uh, or having his own opinion on every story is necessarily a good thing. Because it'd be bad, you know, George had the Fabuloso button and he would hit the concept art with it. Like, yep. there may be times where Dave does that and then he does the other one where, you know, the thumbs down or whatever or just needs work. Like, I I don't want him to hinder someone's ability to make and write a story just because it might not fit his overall vision of the saga. And that's why you have people like Carrie Beck and Kathleen Kennedy and you have people that are hopefully going to collaborate in this. And yes, it would be cool to see Dave at the head of a table. 
saying, oh, you should do this. Oh, we'll think about it this way. You know, challenging other creators because George was that for him. And that to me is some of the best footage to watch on the internet is just watching George guide them through processes and beats. And the one thing that George always did, why can't we do that? Right. You know what I mean? I think I think that's an interesting interesting way to put it because I think yeah if Dave acts more like an uncle or a grandparent, I think it it will thrive because yes. they'll be like I'm not telling you what to do I'm not your dad no and, no uh, but this because if he comes in like a dad I think that might not be the best I agree uh, idea because I will say that and and you and you mentioned this I don't think that there's tonal dissonance with mm-hmm. all the Disney Plus Star Wars things yeah that are out. I think the problem that the shows have been having is that they're they've been rushed. Let's be let's be. Oh, I agree. They they've been rushed and they haven't had the time to like, especially Book of Boba Fett. As much as I like that show, I feel like it was a show that could have been in the oven uh, mm-hmm. sometime. It's a little bit longer. And and it's it's interestingly a similar yet different problem that Marvel's having right now as well. Where it's just like mm-hmm. let's just pump out content. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that Marvel has been pumping out, it's good. Like I like, I love She-Hulk, mm-hmm. I love Moon Knight, but like a lot of the times, it's just like, ah, are you just pumping out content for the sake of having content? Yeah. Or are you just like, let's make sure that when we put something out, that it's the right, you know, the exactly. right amount of episodes, or the right story, or that we've got this figured out and we know where we're going with the story. Not necessarily that, oh, that the story is going to connect to that, which will lead to something else, because I don't think Star Wars needs to be or should be like the mcu in that regard mm-hmm. but i feel that it plays to star wars strengths to take your time because mm-hmm. something that i've always said about star wars and i will hold steadfast to it is that star wars thrives in absence like dude uh, oh my god i love it you said that do you remember how incredible it was to watch the force awakens like come out it was it, so meticulous yes the only mistake i made was to watch it with normies they sang. That was the only. That People was the did only not, problem. dude. I think with the way the Sherry experience, because that theater experience was horrible. But <laughs> all that being, because they all had their awful, atti- all, awful. I was all excited, and then everyone yeah. was like, I was like dude, what? Dave. Okay, we have to talk about that later. But <laughs> I can tell you this much: like when the Force Weekends was releasing, and the only things they had in the works were TFA, Rogue One, and TLJ for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like you, you felt that there was so much precision in The Force Awakens. Yep. And then let's fast forward at about six years, and there is a little bit of messiness in some of these seasons of each new show, like Book of Boba Fett. Like, there's some things I'm like, ooh, that really could have, like you said, been in the oven a little bit longer. But, like, I, I, I long for a time where things are a little bit more meticulous, mm-hmm. a little bit more precise, a little bit more intentional. Because the second creators back like, in make me wait, make me wait. Yeah, make me wait, dude. Like I, I like even like I said, there is an anxiousness, anxiousness right now for me personally because I don't know when the next thing's going to release. Mm-hmm. But if they told me Acolyte or, or Skeleton Crew is not going to release till May, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, breathe a little bit, do some editing. Because those were one of the things that 2015 when Force, <clears throat> Force Awakens comes mm-hmm. out. I was like, and then they announced that it's going to be a Star Wars movie every year. Like, then I wasn't podcasting. Then I wasn't as plugged yeah, in of course. to the whole thing as, as I am now. But even then, I'm just like, that's not, I don't know if that's the right idea. Because the original yeah. trilogy was three years in between movies. The prequels were three years three in between years. movies. So you have like that time to get amped up and not have it for a while. So you're like, ah, oh, damn, it's Star Wars is special. Yeah, yeah. Is, you know, it's this event. And when they were like, it's every year. I was like, oh, it's not special then. 
Because you don't you don't have to wait. It's just like oh, it's this thing. And like Star Wars is not like Marvel, where Marvel can pump out two movies or three movies a year. Damn. And because it's different heroes and different stuff, like technically it still works, but it's again. And I think it's one of the questions that I wrote down here for you. It's it's a different beast. And right now in the 2010s, 2020s, like the media landscape is completely different from Way what different. it was in the early 2000s when the Dude. prequels came out. So, and this kind of leads into like the future, right, of Star Wars films. Like, what do you think is Star Wars now? Like, is Star Wars like heyday dead? Is it now destined uh, for streaming? Is, you know, what... What does Star Wars mean for for us right now? Is it is it is it dead? Is it just like this pop culture icon that just lives in in in, in you know in, in in consciousness as opposed to in in cinemas? See, that's the thing that I'm worried about because there is an honesty, a fatigue, you know, and everyone told you the fatigue of the fatigue. Like that's a real thing, and people maybe say it passingly and say that it doesn't exist, but. I just, this is, is my example. I want to see the Marvels. Mm-hmm. I have no drive to actually go to the theater and want to go see it right mm-hmm. now. And I don't, I couldn't tell you why. I don't know if it's because it's not something I've been the most hyped for, if the reviews haven't been great. But everything I've heard, and this is kind of the sad part, is the post credit scene. Everyone's excited because of the post credit scene. And I'm like, and I have, I don't know what it is. But all I'm saying is, if that's the thing that you're going to the theaters for, why go to the theaters at all? If you're right. just excited for the next project and you can't take a moment to enjoy what we currently have, or if the current project is setting up the next project, then you're doing it wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, 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 when you would watch the prequels, you knew there was a movie coming, but you had to wait three years. Uh, I, I didn't experience the OT, but I could tell you this much when the force awakens came out, I was excited to get rogue one. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was also kind of a pain in the ass to sit next to my mom, have her go, well, where's Ray at? <laughs> and like, dude, I mean, I yeah, know yeah. you probably had the same exact conversations. For me, it happened with Solo. When Dark or, Maul shows dude, up, I'm with my dad Solo. and my dad's like, hey, 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 isn't he my, dead? My, my wife was like, well, what the hell? I'm like, this is so insane that they're doing this. But all that being said, I'm not saying there's a fatigue to Star Wars, but I think to other people that aren't as plugged in as you and I are and all of our peers, that maybe there is a sense of what there's, you know, this is, this is not a crazy, this is a, not a fake number. Uh, we recently ranked every episode of live action TV, 57 episodes of live action TV. And it's only been around for four years, mm-hmm. like this month. Just consider that. So like, if there's a fan that wants to get caught up, that maybe hasn't watched anything since the rise of Skywalker, They've got a lot to digest in terms of live action. That's not even mentioning Bad Batch or Clone Wars or Rebels or Visions mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, any of it. So I, I just I just think to me personally, I think there should be some brevity to these releases mm-hmm. and some brevity to maybe the next set of stories. Like if we get, you know, Acolyte and or season two and and Skeleton Crew like. Not even gonna lie to you, give us like two years before the next Disney Plus show. That'd be awesome. I, I would don't love disagree. That. I don't and, disagree. And give all. us a movie and then give us a couple more years so they can build up what they want to do with that era of Star Wars. I don't know. I'm I love I mean, that you asked that. I, really I mean, do. I think it would be cool if like they alternate because I feel like right now 
I mean, we, I know we have Bad Batch season three coming down the pipeline, and and there's supposed to be a Tales of the Jedi coming, mm-hmm. but Tales of the Jedi barely count because it's just mini episodes. It's, so it's short, not like, brief. It's not like a full season like Bad Batch yeah. will be. But I feel like they need to double down a little bit more on animation as well, because I think yeah. that will be a really interesting uh, paradigm to uh-huh. be like, okay, one live action show one animated show and yes. kind of take your time in between it so that Give every time space. one comes back you're anticipating well, dude, dude there isn't it isn't like there's not books and stuff coming out as well mm-hmm. or video games there's so much supplemental material besides things you can watch there's things you can read there's things you can listen to there's things you can interact with and directly play like they haven't even stopped that aspect of it like it would be cool to give us a year where Maybe they focus more on video games or a year where they focus more on books or animation. I agree. I, I would I would love that. Because I think that's the strength of that is that mm-hmm. for the nerds, for us, we mm-hmm. we we keep being fed. Yes. But for the normies, yeah, you make them wait so they're a little hungry, so they're not like saturated. So they there's a there's a gone. bigger there's a bigger gap for them. Because mm-hmm. I'll, let's let's face it, the normies are not reading the books, they're not reading the comics, mm-hmm. they're not playing. Well, some are playing the video games, but for the most part, they're consuming the movies, yes. the live action TV shows, mm-hmm. and then the animation stuff. So it, spacing it out a lot, I think, is gonna like I think help, but make everyone hungry. I, I want to say one thing too, because I think it's important to address. If indeed the next film is 2025, and let's say it's a December of 2025 release, we're looking at six years. Between The Rise of Skywalker and the next project. Great. I love it. But if that next project is all about the shows you need to get caught up on. Mistake. There you go. So, like, you have to consider your audience. You have to consider who's going to be sitting in that theater. Is it going to be me and my wife who watch every show? Or is it going to be me and my dad who's only watched Mando season one and two? And now hasn't seen Ahsoka or season three or Book of Boba Fett. And so when he sits down to watch it, and he no longer has the Darksaber, but Bo-Katan has it. No, actually, no, it's been destroyed. But she's the leader of Mandalore. Right. And Boba Fett now is this 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 king of the of this. The Daimyo. You know, He's a Daimyo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Ahsoka, who's on a different guy. Like, these people would be like, what? This is just, where did this come from? So, like, They could you know, put a little recap video in the uh, beginning of the movie, like yeah. they did in Obi-Wan. But that, but by God, like. Without the skip button, obviously. Exactly. I just. There's a lot to be excited for, but there's also a little bit to be weary about in that context. And and I love more Star Wars. If they announced that Skeleton Crew every op- episode drops on Friday, I w- I'm literally going to New York for a for a Kiss show. I probably would be like, "Sorry, dude, I'm have to sit in the hotel for eight hours and digest <laughs> this shit because I have to." But like, I mean, I wouldn't want that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do want I do want space. I do want brevity. I'm glad you brought that up. That's and a I'm, difficult I, thing to talk about. And I'm glad you brought up the films because that was that's just kind of like the last leg of, yeah. of this is you know Filoni, as we know, is directing one of the three films that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- how do you feel about those three films that have been announced? Uh, are you excited for all three of them? Is there one that you're least excited for? Like. Uh, because I, I have my opinions, and I'll tell you what I think yeah. Yeah. afterwards. And if it were up to you, what order would you release them in? You know, God, I love you. I love this show. But I mean, if this is your first episode, don't make it your last, okay? <laughs> so that being said, no, in all seriousness, though, you know, I've 
I've I'm on the Filoni train. Uh, it'd be cool for him to be the 2027. I don't know if there's a certain date really. Is the, has there been a date? I know 2025. No. Okay, so let's say they do it every two years. And, so and anyway, if there was, it's all yeah, out the window. Of course, the, the writing, yeah, all of it, all the strikes. So, so my ideal world would be to get Dave's stuff last, like out mm-hmm. of all of them, only because it'll allow him time to cook and simmer and think about what he can do. Is this the final story of Mando, Grogu, Ahsoka? Thr- like, do you make it that big? You know, do you mm-hmm. do you work some things into it to where it's kind of smaller? Um, I believe the Ray story has potential to be first because you know uh, what what a cooler way to get people back in the seats. You know, even if it isn't twenty twenty five, it's twenty twenty six. Like. Seven years between that and Shraws would be so cool. Mm. You know what I mean? Because then, you know, I Give think her she... some High Republic robes. Oh my God. All, dude, dress, like, her, dress her in gold. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, you could do so much more cohesive storytelling if you just give it a couple of years uh, and see where certain stories are going and tie in, like, you know, whatever. Or, or you know, she said in an interview that the story surprised her, didn't expect it to go that way. And I'm like, man, like. I mean, but that can. That, see, that. That for me is a nothing burger of an article. Because, I also agree because that could be interpreted anyway. Because if mm-hmm. I like, let's assume that that was Amelia Clark talking about the final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, took her by surprise. She didn't expect it to go that way. Uh-huh. And look at what we got. So yeah, I I don't put stock too much in in that because it's just like it's so far away that it could still change. So see, like, the project I'm most excited for is Mangolds because I really did love Dial of Destiny, and. Same. The thing that everyone needs to consider with Dial of Destiny is you're working with a single character who is the backbone of the franchise, really. Let's be real. And he is so beloved that whatever you do will make someone in some capacity upset. But if we are going to get the idea of the origins of the Force, uh, Mangold has had to work with a lot of legacy characters. You know, you know Wolverine, right? Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. to work with, with real-life people in Ford v. Ferrari. And he also had to work with, like I said, Indiana Jones. Like, that's like you don't get more iconic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not even Luke Skywalker is as iconic as Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones had five movies now, just about him. So, and his family and his dad. So, like, Mangold getting the opportunity to tell a unique individual story about maybe the biggest character in star wars the force is i mean dude if they could i've said it before if they can like bridge the gap between midichlorians or bridge the gap between the living and the cosmic force or give us the origin of the force priestesses you know from Mm -hmm. from those episodes of clone wars or even explain the origin of force goats or how a lightsaber was first like if he could do that well and the problem with that story too is now you've got backstory deeper backstory way deeper backstory way more than george even did that sets up the things that happen in the future so if i'm gonna be real that's the one i'm most just deeply excited for and honestly the one that could probably disappoint us the most because he might Hmm. not get it but i think he will Hmm. i think he will i think if dave is involved i think he will i think he'll expose him to some things i don't know see I, i i disagree on that point yeah, on Mangold's being the one to disappoint us the most. Because I just honestly, don't, no, no. I, don't, I, don't I don't think it think will so because it has the one that has could. the least to lose. That's also true because there's there is no legacy to it. You're right. Exactly. That's fair. That's, that's why I think, man, and the one that I'm least excited for, 
is Felonies because wow, it, it, there's I think that that movie has a lot going against it. Yeah, there's the baggage of all the uh, EU fandom mm -hmm. that's gonna come into it, being Ooh. expecting Heir to the Empire. Yeah, it's gonna be like all the Beast Lamari, all the yeah, all the all the. <laughs> Start a sequel trilogy haters, all the prequel, but like there's like I think the Filoni movie is more welcoming of so many uh, landscapes of the Star Wars yeah. fandom and environment that it's it has a lot going against it. it and does. I think that what you were saying, like oh, it's a movie that you need homework for, and not in the sense that Avengers Endgame needed homework because to an extent, if you watched Infinity War, you were good with Endgame. Oh, of course. Yeah, obviously you didn't get like all the fucking backstory from all Captain the superheroes yeah. or anything, but I think Infinity War did a pretty good job, I think, at like establishing like the core group of characters and like mm -hmm. where they were at to, mm -hmm. you know, deal with the threat of Thanos and then the aftermath and endgame. Of course. Um, with the Mandoverse, I just, I mean, I'm always willing and hopeful to be proven wrong like what else could i want than to love a star wars movie mm -hmm. uh that's all that's all i want but but i don't see the mandoverse cooking in a way that it's going to set itself up to stand alone in a film that's going to feature one of the most iconic villains yeah. of the eu and then well brings it for itself the 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 trio problem uh-huh like you're gonna make a movie about the greatest threat the new republic is facing uh, after the empire and before the new order and luke han and leia where are they is it gonna be only like mando uh mando the little kids from skeleton crew and, and mm -hmm. ahsoka and sabine and mm -hmm. ezra it's like i mean i don't want to call them b tier because they're definitely not b tier but no. that, but you know you don't you don't go see avengers to see ant-man fight fight thanos you see no. you go see captain america iron man and thor mm -hmm. lay down the law so it's it's one of those things. And again, like I trust Filoni. I know the man cooks. He's yes. got the ingredients. But I think I think the movie itself carries with it like so much baggage yeah. that can only backfire, especially with the landscape of fandom as we know it nowadays and how there's so much entitlement going around with how we watch these films and how you expect and what it to go. We mm -hmm. want them to be instead of just mm -hmm. like allowing them to be. But I think it's just gonna be rough and as much as i've liked a lot of the filoni episodes that he's directed i don't think that he's got that visual language in live action yet that gives him panache you know of course to, be, to like make a beautiful film necessarily mm -hmm. uh, you know I, maybe from here to then that will change yeah it could change he gets, sure. a, he gets a good cinematographer and i'll eat my words yeah uh, but so far i'm not enthused for that like i feel like the mandoverse should probably stick to the the tv TV and I don't say that as a negative. I say that's a positive. I love all those shows. Of course. But I, you know, I'm excited for Ray's story to continue. Me too, dude. Oh Especially because it's not a secret for people that listen to this podcast. I'm not a fan of the Rise of Skywalker uh -huh. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Okay, that's not true. There's things about the movie that I do enjoy, but as a whole, I I didn't like it. I liked not where Ray thing. where Ray's story was going in Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And then the kind of Rise of Skywalker undid a lot of those things for me in a way that like I wanted to, you know, see her become her full potential instead of, of kinda, again, Ouroboros kind of come back to the desert planet, sliding down and, you know, being harassed by an old lady, you know, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. 
it's uh it, i get it, it's like poetry it rhymes but like let's we, we need to get our head out of our ass sometimes look with that I, thing i think it's so important that you brought up the fact that how will it trans how will dave's stuff translate into a movie that's a big that's a big feat you know and I I would also agree with you that it probably could be the one that ha- could have the most vitriolic reaction, you know, from from super fans like us, but also super anti fans that we know exist in this space. So like hate watchers, uh, yes, hate watchers, and like Ray, to me, has the most potential as a character because you know if you do a movie set after Rise of Skywalker, it is fresh. Mm. As long as we don't bring the first order back, I think I will be deeply happy. Like make this new threat a new genuine threat that none of us expected you know and that's and that's what i want with this movie because Um, okay and this is gonna be my my design my design (laughs) slash architect selfish fan hat on (laughs) you know when i came into the sequel i I love the sequel trilogy don't get yes i mean with the reservations i have rice skywalker notwithstanding Mm -hmm. i i love the sequel trilogy yes of course Uh, but when I was going into it, one of the things that I wanted from it is something that we got in the prequels. And it's seeing how the world was different. Oh, so different. And this, like, you know, despite whatever flaw we want to talk about that the prequel trilogy had, one flaw it did not have was production design. You know, oh. all the ships were beautiful. Coruscant was amazing. It, Naboo was it great. It knew what it wanted to be. Like, it, it was very through. clear. It was very clear. And it was very purposeful. And I really appreciated it that it has such a distinct visual difference mm-hmm. from the original trilogy while still homage can, right? Especially when you mm-hmm. get to Revenge of the Sith of and you see like how stuff starts to turn into that. Uh-huh. That I wanted that from the sequel as well. I'm just like, I was very excited to be like, oh, how has design changed in the galaxy? Because I'm a design nerd, right? I'm an architect. I love Duck Shang. Uh-huh. I, I eat I eat up all those making of documentaries. I love seeing like all the designers process come up with all the process and how they come up sure. with things. And so like, I'm just like, God damn, like the, what does, what does the galaxy look like 30 years after return of the Jedi? It must be completely different. Especially like if everything was so different in the, in the 20, in the 20, 20 odd years, years. Yeah. So 30 years must be, Oh my God, let's, let's, let, let's go son. And then like we get force awakens, which as much as I love it, it's like, Oh, stormtroopers. The like Apple the look like Apple. The tie didn't even change, dude. The, the Tie Fighter is the, the same design. They only inverted the colors. That's all. They That's did. it. Um, the Tie Fighter T seventy. I was like, oh man, like it, I'm not the saying Star don't have. Shippers. I'm not saying don't have Tie Fighters, but it, uh, if you see uh, Star Wars Resistance, which I, I don't love that show, but sure. there is a T eighty five there, like the, mm-hmm. the 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 New Republic Navy X wing there. I'm like, see, there we go. Like you got yes, you can. You can it's still not exactly what I want, but it's like different enough where it's just like okay so i feel like the visual language of the of force awakens and especially rise of skywalker was very lazy to like be you know it was literally engineered to pull out our uh, nostalgia uh, strings because if you go into last jedi i mean the the kylo ren's tie silencer the first order dreadnought Mm -hmm. like all the the supremacy Uh like ryan johnson started cooking and being like okay let's Uh start let's start bringing a little bit different like making let's start making things different and that's Uh what i wanted in star wars is like let's progress and see difference yeah and then we go into rise of skywalker and say okay let's just bring back uh, dude i completely agree the fact that you're bringing this up is so interesting to me because i hadn't had the second well i haven't given that consideration the digesting of if tpm's 20 years or some more a little bit more or less between 
you know, 15 years actually before, you know, what we get in a new hope mm-hmm. and like drastically different design, even everything from the interactions on the, on the heads up displays and the dials in front of them on the end of the N one starfighter, all different. And then you get TFA and TLJ, which like you said, notably had some design differences, uh, and Tross, like, like they did, it didn't feel like there was any progress. You know what I mean? And I honestly, you see it so weirdly in Mandalorian where you get this weird, like, okay, there has been progress, but it wasn't in the way that you would expect it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Razor Crest is one of the coolest designs ever. And that was a very unique design to Star Wars, but it was apparently an older ship model from what we would call the prequel era. And same with the N1 Starfighter being refurbished to look new. Like, there's ways you can do it right. where it's not an iPhone version of the Stormtrooper helmet. I, I'm sure you remember that discourse in 2014, but like it looks like an iPhone Stormtrooper helmet. But like, yes, with this new story with Ray, like if it's 15 years beyond Rise of Skywalker, like it needs to be completely visually different. Make, yeah. Like, like it needs to have like just something that makes it stunning and things mm-hmm. something that will make it different. Like. Maybe maybe she can be in you know the Red Five X Wing that she flies off in and Tross. You can do that. You can get mm-hmm. out with that. But like, make these enemies modify it. or modify it. Or she's, modify she's, it. She's yes, she's always done that. Like, please don't give me another like First Order remnant. Like, <laughs> there's just no. so much more, man. There's it's, so much more. It's 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 hilarious because, and, and again, I, I don't want to like let my preconceptions paint sure of course my my expectation of the movie however like you know there's lots of things full disclosure like for when like the eu was a big thing like i didn't read Mm -hmm. all the books i read some of the books and i played shadows of the empire and i played Mm -hmm. all these things i played jedi knight jedi academy so like in my mind i had like this this uh star wars post return of the jedi image in my mind of what that could be and like now like i have an even bigger idea of, what of course could be because of what we've seen and what i can expect and whatnot and one of the things again with design is planets and locations oh, and one God, thing yeah. that i think was a disservice to uh, the sequel trilogy was that they didn't give us exotic locations mm-hmm. they kind of went back to do well let's just go to funky places on earth like george did in the ot and just call it a new planet which yeah. fine but why don't you do that and then augment it Oh my god! Yeah, you're somewhere on Earth, but then make it feel a little like like not Camino, eh, like Felucia or something like that. Oh my yeah. god! You're, you're in dude. a redwood, but give give me some Avatar stuff and like off course Earth landscape, so it still feels alien while still being rooted like in a in a real Earth location. So you get mm-hmm. both things, like George prequel planet and then yeah. OT uh, planets. I think that's kind of what we need to see when we go in that direction. Start hybridizing. Uh huh. I think I will say, and I know it's not your favorite one, uh, but the Rise of Skywalker Exegol is oh, Exegol one, is the, great. Yeah. one of the more incredible designs for what the sequel trilogy gave us. And I agree, you know, there is a the genuine... only problem with Exegol is that we couldn't see it, but you know. exactly. But there is a genuine nature that that needs to be found about these planets, and I think you know Dave Filoni and Favreau killed it with Mandalore being a glass planet because mm-hmm. it's been bombed, and you're like, oh man, that's that gives me number one context for history it makes sense why mandalore is in rubble like it's toxic you can't even go there until Mm -hmm. they get there and it's not and then they go underground and there's this living forest underground like that to me is 
brilliant world building. And maybe that's the one thing the pre- uh, the sequels lacked is the idea of world building. Whereas for me personally, the prequels were nothing but world building. I mean, you mm-hmm. you you focused way more on the the lead up to the pod race than actually what it meant. It meant this kid's freedom. But all you were thinking about was the damn racers and the music mm-hmm. and the flags marching and the race itself, where you almost lost the context of what was the entire point this kid winning his freedom, you know, and, and being able to become a Jedi. So how can we refine that and find this beautiful moment of cohesion in post sequel trilogy world? Like, you know, will, will Grogu show up? I know that's so silly, but like, will, will we get a connective nature through this new Ray film? Will you know, will, 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 uh, John Boyega be in it? Like, I don't yes. know. There's a. I would <laughs> yes. love that. I would love that. But like, you've got to go somewhere different. You've got to. You know, give us. I agree. Give us something almost tonally similar, not similar, but but tonally cohesive. But also give us a stark contrast in terms of design. I agree. Like, bring battle droids. Do something. Do something unique. One thing that I. It's not gonna happen, and I don't want to hype myself up for it. Uh, but one go. thing, that, and I, but I think, but I think it would be clever, and it's something yeah. that I think uh, could. Uh, okay, I don't want to say could happen because what? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I know? What do you uh, know? What do you I? Know? I, I, I'm, I'm always wrong. Uh, <laughs> please hire me, Lucasfilm. Um, it's uh, we know that Luke set up the academy in whatever it's... planet, yeah, in Mando. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be really cool. If Ray set up her academy in Javin Four, oh my God! Right, and kind of like awesome, and, and you're tying it back to the EU. Yep, it's like you get like all those like because I I remember like in all the video games like being inside the Masasi Temple uh-huh. and at the top teaching everybody like in the jungle, and I'm just like, I mean, what better way to kind of like pay homage to uh-huh. Jedi Academy and like uh-huh. all the EU stuff than to kind of like see that as Ray carrying yes. on that torch? And it'd yeah. be cool. Like there's a fucking you, ghost force scene where like ray has yep. a little council with everybody uh, you don't need to listen to them but you just see that she's communing with them and that course. way like they don't take uh the the spotlight from her because it's still her movie mm-hmm. but you see mm-hmm. that like she still has a connection to the jedi you know, to jedi live in her right so, yeah be with so. me but that's one thing it's just like i'm not gonna be heartbroken if she's not in, in javin mm-hmm. four but mm-hmm. something something that you know if, if they did that i'd be like hey that's how you do it right you did That's right. That's the right way to do it. Uh, before, we, before we sign off, yes, uh, of Scotty, tell us a little bit about Bombacast. What do you guys have going on? Look at you. So we actually dropped news today that we have a full-time producer for the Bombacast, a good friend of mine, John. Uh, he was in my wedding. Uh, I actually bought his car. Like we've, we've been really close the past you know, 40 years. We've been friends, and uh, he's changed my life for the better. And John has had the opportunity to work on pretty big projects. Uh, one of the bigger ones, you may have actually heard of it, Close for Storm, which is a documentary made by Bright Sun Films. And uh, it was all about this theme park in New Orleans, Six Flags, that closed down and never opened back up after Katrina. And um, John has had a lot of his you know, feet in different projects and being involved in different things. And he offered to help produce Brombad Cast and try to elevate us to a new level of professionalism but also extending our reach in terms of content creators and yeah i i'm happy to say he's our hidden third member he won't be on screen often but uh he's like george martin basically yes he uh yeah look at you i love you no yeah he's 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 also you know 
he's very aware of what people like and what works and he's just a he's just a brilliant and wonderful guy and he's gonna be our hidden third member that we just announced today and uh we're gonna be going we're not in a hiatus moment of any sorts we're gonna record probably next week and do a stream but what i'm trying to get at is there will be an increase in things that hopefully most people like you know bomb Cast can be kind of random in terms of our content coverage but also it's fun. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Everyone usually there laughs and has a good time. You were you were on for one of the was it not Mad Libs? So it's Fortune Cookies of the Force, and like that was a great episode where we analyze what this Fortune Cookie meant. And so like mm-hmm. you know, Bombad Cast is is has been almost going on for five years. Come next June, so it, in you know, dog we, years, that's an adult. In, that's an adult. That's a full ass dog, man. That dog is eating a lot of food a day. Yeah. No, but uh, gotta take it to oh, the vet. I'm glad you asked. Um, one thing that I'm very excited about, there's no set time of release. I'm going to work on it actually after we get off this discussion together. Uh, I'm going to release a really big episode about midi-chlorians. Um, a big, not episode, like a big vi- video essay. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions on what they are. And um, the Lucasfilm has been kind of quiet. That's one of my wishes. If you want, M-counts, if you want, M-counts. if you, yeah, yeah, M-counts. if you want Yavin 4 for your Ray story, I want midi-chlorians for my Ray story or my mangled story because they have been i think i think the mangled i think the mangled one is a good is a good spot there's potential Uh, and if he's willing to go that route i don't know if i'll ever stop talking about it so um yeah i'm doing a really big video on on, um on midichlorians and you know if anyone has any misconceptions on the my design of this i'm a teacher i wrote it like a lesson plan and i'm presenting it like a lesson plan is to make it to where when you leave the video you don't have any more questions and every fact has been displayed by George himself, by Rick McCallum, by even George interviews from the seventies, JW Rensler. Um, like all, there's so many sources that people don't know about that have all these preconceived notions of what they are. And I want to subside that and kind of explain to you how it ties in with the overall themes of the force, both cosmic and living. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm telling you, it's been an extensive project. I spent my That's entire, like a Oh, Boy, is it! It would, like you said, it would give stars explain a run for his. Mind. Alex Damon, watch um, it. Retire, retire, uh, retire. This is it. Hang up, it, hang up the gloves. I, I am willing. Else. I'm willing to say that someone like him, and you know, I wouldn't be shy to say I do a friend. I do have a friend at Lucasfilm uh, that I feel like I could send it to that person, and he would also be like, "Oh wow." Like that's actually pretty comprehensive. So you know, you're gonna learn them. I'm proud of this. I I I don't boast often, but I am extremely proud of what I've put into this. So just very, know that's in, that's I'm gonna very show. Up. Very I hope I hope it's a Christmas gift. I hope it's done by Christmas. That's my plan. It's 62 pages for the script. So well, I hope I hope it drops on Christmas so that I <laughs> be with family. Why would I want to be with family when I can four four hours Scotty? just sitting watching in your phone this yeah. dumbass lecture? Why but no, th- thank you for acting, Gus, and and I will say thank you for letting me be on your show. This entire experience has oh, been please, wonderful. Please. I love talking to you. Anytime that you need me ever again, never hesitate. Seriously. Oh. Well, that's dangerous because I'm telling you, your phone, your phone might be ringing. I can I I got a text today. What time was it? Let's see. I'm just kidding. It was like at, at eleven. Uh, eleven. Like, You're like, can you? I'm like, I can. Don't even stress, and baby. Let me, let me check with Joe. Let me check with Joe. Yeah, I had to check with Joe. Oh look, yeah, it was at ten sixteen a.m. I love you. That was right after my morning. Uh, whatever. No, no, that's after. It's in the afternoon. Hey, Ever, Scotty. I would love to be talking to you because, like. We can keep going. We can keep going. 
but there's unfortunately like there's time there's limits sleep. to these things well there's sleeves <laughs> i have to edit this i i i i, I what the edge of i always forget the name of the book i have oh yeah darkness yes the eye of darkness arrived i was calling it i was calling it by accident to sean room uh edge of darkness edge and of that darkness. Uh, that becomes real spicy real quick that's the so, that's um, the song isn't edge of darkness no i'm thinking edge of 17 by stevie nicks never mind sorry see <laughs> it's, it's all it's all gets it's all gets garbled up i need to at least read 10 pages before i pass out good and because since i can't stay awake anymore yeah 35 uh but yeah, we're we're gonna definitely gonna do this again. This was a again. fun one. There's there's so much more things that I wanted to ask and keep going on, but of course. you know, but there's 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 a time and a place. You gotta take a bath. Yeah. You gotta warm yourself back you up. That's true. Don't tell anybody. Uh, but where can people find you? I know you said Look. you have your docu- uh, documentary. Yeah, documentary yeah, coming out much. about Medichlorians, uh-huh. uh, acclaimed documentary uh, in Pond. I heard the premiere is gonna be at. Uh, but where can people find it and you on the socials um, on the youtubes yeah definitely what you can do is you type as in the bomb as, as i said in bomb Backcast, plug your stuff plug your stuff plug your stuff no uh plug my stuff so um <laughs> if you want to find me obviously you can find me on social media it's scotty s-c-o-t-t-y j-a-y-r-o that's it uh you can find me on any site i'm usually there um but most definitely, if you want to watch more of our content, things that are kind of goofy and silly, but also have some serious tones to them, uh, you can watch the Bombadcast on YouTube. Just type in the Bombadcast. The first thing that'll pop up is probably a reaction video that got us very popular. Uh, so watch that if you want to watch me cry. But um, <laughs> overall, we we go live every Thursday, and we have been for a long time now, and uh, we plan on doing it soon as well. So that being said, uh, yeah, no, I, it's been a privilege to be here, and I'm very it's been excited an absolute to joy. Absolute have joy. the opportunity to do this again in the it's near a, future. It's what a great way to end a Monday because Monday, Monday. Was, was not wonderful. Let's no, be honest. it was cold. It was. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm all, I'm all <laughs> snug. I'm all snug, snug, snug. So I it's know, okay. I know. Me too. Uh, but yeah, we were going to leave like all those links down in the description below so that so you can wonderful. follow Scotty and Bombacast and Jerry and watch all of their beautiful, beautiful content because they're amazing people with great things to say that you should definitely check out. Uh, the first time I try it, but definitely not the last time. Thank you, definitely Scotty. Definitely not. Of course. Stay bad, dude. And for everyone else, thank you so much. This has been Tried Up the Force. We hope you have enjoyed this episode talking about the heir to the empire, question mark, Dave Filoni. Uh, don't forget to check us out on all of our social medias. You can find us everywhere where social, uh, podcasts can be found, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, like all the things. Just make sure to look for Tried Up the Force, and you'll find us on your Podchaser, socials, Twitter, I'm not calling it X, even though I guess I just did, Threads, Blue Sky, Facebook. Just search for Tried Up the Force, and you will find us. But that's it for today. Until the next time, may the Force be with you. Mm-hmm.